Welcome to Lessons in Leadership, Steve Adubato, the incomparable Mary Gamba in black today with a blue background. How are we doing, Mary? I'm doing great. Every time we start our day, I always wonder, what's Steve going to say today about my outfit, about my hair, which, if you're following along on Lessons in Leadership, has grown exponentially. <laughs> we still have another year left until it gets to where we need it to be, but it's going to be a great day. We're all good. Mary, do me a favor before we bring on Jane McManus from the Seton Hall University. Let's tell folks who our generous sponsors are. Yeah, happy to do so. And I'm going to put on my glasses, unfortunately, because that's happening. It's really happening, Steve. Uh, so <laughs> I'd love to thank Prager Metis, Valley Bank, New Jersey Sharing Network, the International Union of Operating Engineers Local 825, the Great Seton Hall University and the Bacino Leadership Institute, North Ward Center, Fedway Associates, and Delta Dental of New Jersey. Thank you so much for your support of this great program. Sorry, we have no more time. No more time. <laughs> we had to list all our sponsors and also our media sponsors we'll talk about in just a little bit. We're glad to be joined uh, by one of our many friends at Seton Hall University, Jane McManus, Executive Director, Seton Hall Center for Sports Media, Associate Director, the Bicino Leadership Institute, where I'll be proudly teaching there in just a month or so, and a columnist at Deadspin. Good to see you, Jane. Hi, thanks for having me. Always close to my heart. It's important to have the swag nearby, isn't it? The Pirates. Listen, we're in the heading toward the Big East as we tape this program. We're heading toward the Big East tournament. Looking forward to it at Madison Square Garden on the men's side, the women's basketball team as well at Seton Hall. A whole bunch of great things going on. But Jane, beyond the X's and O's of sports, let's talk sports and leadership. From your perspective, how much of a direct connection is there, is there between sports and, quote, lessons in leadership? Well, you don't have to take my word for it. There's actually been research done in this area, particularly when it comes to women in sports, women who've played division one sports or even at the high school level um, are proven to advance farther in business than than their peers. And part of that, I think, is that you learn a lot um, when you're playing sports. And it's that those intangible things that come across about your own abilities, confidence in yourself, your ability to lead others, to take direction. I mean, that's a big part of moving up, you know, as you all know, it, through any sort of industry is being able to take criticism and bounce back and use it. Um, and those are a lot of things that you get from sports. So I think, you know, again, don't take my word for it. There, EY has done a lot of um, research in this area and, and a lot of other academics have done that as well. Mm. Another question before Mary jumps in. Uh, and by the way, Mary, from an athletic background, you in high school, you've often said mm -hmm. this, you what? Was it softball? I, I played, well, I played softball my entire life. Thank you, dad, so much for that. He was all of, always our coach. Go Robbins. Hold on. 82, your dad still plays 82. softball. He still plays. He's going to be 83. I can't believe it this year. And he still plays, well, it used to be a 70 and over. Now he's in the 80 and over league. And he still plays soft, softball, does yoga. I played softball my entire life in high school, also soccer. And then I did a little bit of cheerleading. I was, it does not translate into cheerleading any of these other sports. I was such a bad cheerleader for sure. Mary, stop bragging. Um, Jane, well, I, did, I did a lot of sports too. I grew up playing basketball. I think that's why I got into sports, basketball. And then I played roller derby as an adult. I started playing. Oh, that's incredible. Whoa, yeah. Back up, back up. Back I didn't, up, do they up. have that around here? I'd love oh. to try that. Sure they do. Garden State Roller Girls. Absolutely. We played, uh, I played in Yonkers. So we would play different teams in the, in the New York tri-state area for sure. It was, it's a great sport and, and, you know, it's a lot of fun and, and, you know, again, the camaraderie is fantastic. I mean, I think, you know, it's important for people to play sports throughout their entire lives if they're able to. Hey Jane, I'm going to date myself, but you'll appreciate this. When <laughs> I was a kid growing up, I used to watch roller derby 
and I was obsessed by a female roller derby star. Her name, Anne Calvello. You know the name, don't you? Yes, I don't know her personally, but you just lied. You didn't it. know. You don't know her at all. You just said yes. Right. Yeah. Well, because they're all of these. They're all. You know, they played out of Madison Square Garden a lot. The, yeah. And you know, it was back in the back in the day, and the, there was. You know, I mean, obviously, Kansas City Bomber. There are all of the. There's a, there's a whole lore that grew up around it at that time. The today's era reflects, I think, the athletes of today, which is it's all kind of on the up and up. There's no diving. There's no fake anything. You know, women today grew up playing. Um, you know, playing sports, they played lacrosse, basketball, team sports. So it's, you know, just as competitive, um, you know, now as it was when they were kids, it's kind of a different era and it reflects a different sensibility of, I think, sports. Sorry for my roller derby rant. Um, <laughs> great quick one. I'm glad you had me on to talk about roller derby. <laughs> That's great. I love but, talking but, about it. But, but hold on, at Seton Hall University and other great universities across this nation, um, the, I have to get this out of the way. And our good friend, Nick Matarazzo is coming on in the second half, my golfing partner, friend in the Hall of Fame at another university as a great point guard back in the day, as Jane likes to say, which is what old people say when they're referring to their youth. <laughs> so so here's the thing. Tra the transfer portal. We're, Mary and I are trying to build a team for years, 22, 23 years together. Mary leaves every couple of years because she has another offer. Somebody leaves, you've got to bring a new team in. How the heck do you get a starting five, a starting nine on the baseball team? How do you develop a team if people are coming and going, not to mention coaches? How the heck do you develop that chemistry, camaraderie, teamwork? Well, I think, you know, you have to look at the NCAA as an entire system. It's not just the transfer portal. It's not just name, image, and likeness. These are two new things, I think, that are disrupting the system. But I would argue that there are a lot of people, myself included, who think the system probably needed to be disrupted. Now, did it need to be disrupted in particularly this way? It makes it very difficult for coaches and for institutions to have any sort of consistency. But at the same time, the NCAA didn't, of its own accord, do something proactively that would have created an alternative pathway. So again, it's it's this is a, a symptom of a much larger issue that's been happening in college sports for the last you know two decades since CBS started pouring so much money into the the college tournament. Mm, jump in, Mary. Yeah, definitely. I would love to just switch gears a little bit to the professional athletes and also college athletes as a whole. What role do they have and what is their responsibility to be role models for young adults today? Because so many, I have an 18 and a 20 year old right now. So many of our young adults look up to them and there's been so many instances where either they say something in the media, they get themselves into trouble. Why is it so important for our professional athletes to be role models to our younger generations? Well, I mean, I think what it happens is that they are role models, whether they want to be or not. So it's what do you do with that platform? And there are lots of different ways to use a platform. But I think part of the, the first way of doing it is recognizing that you have one. Um, and, you know, what's really great about today is that so teams at the collegiate and, and the professional level really do try to educate athletes about their responsibilities. And I, and I honestly think that you can see more of that happening when you look at the way that athletes are speaking, um, you know, not just about their responsibilities as leaders, but actually showing by talking about issues that they care about, whether it's mental health or in other areas. Um, and so well, I do think- relations and social justice? Exactly. In the wake of George Floyd, the WNBA just put out a statement last week based on police violence. And I think, you know, you look at the way that 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 athletes have have kind of come and taken that on. And that is, you know, part of this idea of recognizing the responsibility that you have to yourself and to the next generation. And also the, the, a shout out to the WNBA and a whole range of women 
in sports and some men. Uh, is Brittany Griner, I'm going to get that right, um, that horrific situation, st standing up, stepping up on her behalf. I'm not convinced it would have played out with her getting out of that Russian prison if it were not for leadership and activism on the part of athletes. Fair? Absolutely. I think every single day a WNBA player would tweet the number of days that Brittany Griner had been unjustly imprisoned. And that sort of thing, having the ear of the president, of the administration, makes a difference. Um, and they also put a face on the, you know, the people who were suffering because of her absence um, by not being silent. And, and I, I think that's exactly right. Would they, would they have done that? Would a group of athletes have done that 15 years ago um, in the Republicans buy sneakers two phase or when this, you know, when the idea was that athletes should be seen and not heard and just make money through endorsements? You know, I, I don't, I don't know. Um, mm -hmm. I think also, you know, women who play sports are by nature understanding that, you know, that, that there are cultural influences on sports and that they, they are under because of their ability to play sports. So uh, I think that also plays a factor into that you have so many, you know, whether it's the U.S. Women's National Team uh, and pay equity or it's the WNBA Parker. and different issues around social justice. Yes, that you that they are more willing to speak out, I think, because they, you know, when you when you grow up playing sports as a woman, you recognize that sometimes this is a an act of defiance in some circles. And um, so I think that's why you sometimes get the, the women in sports who are more willing to kind of use that platform. Quick follow up. Mary, you, you mentioned the role model thing. Mm -hmm. I'm curious because actually the course, the the masterclass that I'm teaching along with Mary's help at the Seton Hall uh, Bucino Leadership Institute is about the connection between leadership and let's call it crisis communication or communicating in challenging situations. A whole range of athletes get into trouble by what they say and how they communicate on social media. To what degree is Seton Hall and frankly, is there a movement to help young athletes understand effective use and ineffective use of social media by saying the dumbest things that cause all kinds of problems. And that didn't exist five, 10, 20 years ago. Sure. Well, you know, I, I think every school realizes that they have to wrestle with this issue and, and has, you know, and has for the last five years at least. You know, most schools implement. Uh, you know, uh, workshops for students on how to deal with social media. There have been schools in the past that have taken away the keys. Um, they may have to, to students' social media accounts. There you may give me your phone? Is that it? Seriously? <laughs> no, but they may say you're not allowed to tweet during the season or you're not allowed to tweet about the team or these subjects are off limits to you. Um, and, and I actually think we've probably seen a fewer athletes getting into trouble with things like that uh, recently. Um, you know, I really, I can't, I can't really remember the last time that, that there have been, there's been a big scandal because of that. I, I do think we see students being more aware of that, particularly in the era of name, image, and likeness, because they realize that the things that they say could actually today affect their ability to get a sponsorship or an endorsement deal in, in the lane that's available to them as college athletes. Last question, uh, softball, Mary. <laughs> softball. Uh, what do you mean softball? Throw a softball? No, you just said softball you question. Softball. <laughs> Hold on, Jane. Did Mary talk about her softball career before? I did, but I don't know how I'm going to ask a question about softball, but I did have a That's question. No, no Mary, <laughs> Double entendre. I, did, 
I just gave you. And a that's nickname. what I thought. Throw a softball. Well, here's a softball, Jane. We had talked before we got uh, onto this camera today. Uh, we talked about the fact that you're teaching a course right now on sports at Scene Hall. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. I, you know, I was a sports reporter for 25 years, and I'm teaching a class in sports reporting, and um, it is, you know, it's a great experience. The thing that I've really enjoyed about being at Seton Hall, and I'm fairly new, is getting to know the students. You know, that is the you get into teaching because you love working with young people, or else you probably should find a different line of work. Um, so I've really enjoyed getting to know the students in my class, um, students through the Bacino Institute. Um, and then students that I'm meeting on campus. I have students who knock on my door and say, hey, I just want to be involved with the Center for Sports Media. What can I do? You know, can I take pictures of something? Can I help you with the event? Mm. We have Bill Jean King coming on February 16th. And there are a lot of students who, who are really uh, interested in that. And then there are students who, you know, you're not going to believe this, but they're not quite sure who Billie Jean King is. Because again, you have a generation of students, right, that weren't raised with the battle of the sexes. And, and you know, Bobby it, Riggs. Yeah, of course. But uh, that's a while ago now, you know, 1973, a lot of these students uh, were not around at that moment. <laughs> yeah. I, so, oh, by the way, Mary, 23 years together, you and I brag all the time. And we have this great chemistry and we speak with one mind. I didn't mean that was not. Well, I just said softball, Mary. All right. That's it. <laughs> well, I, I will talk about that off the air. <laughs> I'm being See, That's leadership right there. Not holding back, Jane always telling me what she thinks, and I'm afraid of her. That's the well, way it should be. She's saving it for after the light's off. You know, she's exactly. doing people here. She doesn't <laughs> save much for what's after. She says what she thinks. <laughs> to Jane McManus, and by the way, to the great Bob Lee, our good friend from Seton Hall University, ESPN, 40 years, I believe, over at ESPN. Uh, check out our previous interviews with Bob uh, Lee and all the other great folks with our partners at the Seton Hall University, a great university. Proud to join the faculty again and teach at the Bucino Leadership Institute real soon. Jane, all the best to the Pirates. Thanks for having me. Take care. You got it. This is Lessons in Leadership. That is the one and only softball Mary Gamba. Be right back. This edition of Lessons in Leadership is made possible by the Bucino Leadership Institute at Seton Hall University, Prager Metis, Valley Bank, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, the North Ward Center, the New Jersey Sharing Network, Delta Dental of New Jersey, Fedway Associates, Inc., Veolia, resourcing the world, and Seton Hall University, showing the world what great minds can do since 1856. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com. Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been provided by NJ.com, NJBIA, and New Jersey Business Magazine, CIANJ, and Commerce Magazine, and Meadowlands Media, a print and digital business news network. Hey kids, PBS Kids and Delta Dental want you to have a healthy smile. So here are some tips for you to remember. Number one, eat plenty of crunchy fruits and vegetables. Number two, brush your teeth after eating sugary snacks or drinking sodas. And number three, drink lots of water to wash away food particles. When your teeth are happy, all of you is happy. From PBS Kids and Delta Dental, have a healthy smile. Welcome back to Lessons in Leadership, Steve Adubato with the Mary Gamba of softball fame. 
All right, I'll let that go, Mary. I keep talking about softball. I know, I know. It's uh, all Mary fine. I, hey, I was a great softball player. Number one, I can still slide, and I could still throw a ball and hit a ball like a champ. Hey, Mary. Yeah. I've said this several times. This is a, uh, a trivia question for everyone. I told everyone I got cut from the Essex Catholic varsity baseball team after JV baseball playing first base. What did I bat JV baseball? What was my average? Who's got this? I, I wouldn't even be, a, like, I couldn't yeah. even begin to guess. If you got cut, then it had to have been, like, 250 or something. Scarlin. 150. I went one for 16. Nikki Matz is a, Nikki Matarazzo is a math whiz in addition. At Montclair State together back in the day, he was a math whiz. One for 16, Nikki, what did I bat? I what can't did, tell you, Steve. It, it's 066. <laughs> 060. <laughs> and you wonder why you got cut. <laughs> yeah. Just to pick up another sport. Hey, uh, Mary, do me a favor. Uh, let's introduce Nikki Matarazzo from Hearst Autos. He's the president, right? He is the president. I was going to say, you just did the introduction, but it's always great having Nick. I, it was so funny. I went back, and I can't believe that we have not had Nick on since we were just audio back in the day. So, you know, back when there were black and white televisions and everything. So <laughs> it's so great now to be in full high-def color with Nick Matarazzo, the Nick Matarazzo. Hey, Nikki, how are we doing? Doing awesome. Thanks for having me. The last time we were on, uh, I think I had hair. No, no, Nikki, you look good all the time. And by the way, by way of background, it's not in his official bio, but I was there the night that Nick Matarazzo was inducted into the Montclair State University Hall of Fame as one of the greatest point guards in the history of my alma mater. Nikki, this was the basketball used at the time, was it not? <laughs> and there were and there were peach baskets up. No. Nikki was a great. Hey, Nick, in all seriousness, you and I don't use this expression. Nikki's my longtime golf partner, whether he likes it or not. We've uh, competed together against each other. We've known each other for eons. We don't connect sports and leadership per se, but at its core, you believe, I know you do, that sports is a metaphor for leadership and life. Is that too much, Nick? No. Team, discipline. Um, Leadership, at least from my vantage point, has nothing to do with a title or where you are in an organization. If if I'm an in, individual contributor, a salesperson, and I'm helping a person to the right or left of me, I am showing leadership. It is about team. You know, Nick, you, you mentioned something about everyone having to step up and lead. And then a new book coming out in just a few months, Lessons in Leadership 2.0, colon, the tough stuff, a follow-up to lessons in leadership. We can't think of a new name. Uh, there's a chapter that simply asks this question, Nick, and I want you to answer it. Is everyone really a leader on a great team, not an average team, a great team? Is everyone a leader? Does everyone have to be a leader? Go ahead, Nick. Uh, on some level, yes, everyone is a leader because everyone plays a specific role on a great team, even on, a, even on an average team. If you are helping someone progress, problem solve, take something to the next level, you are being a leader. Even if it's not in your title. Even if it's not in your title. Uh, leader Even Mary if it's Gamba, not in your title. In. Go ahead, Mary. I would love to jump in. So I would love to talk a little bit about leadership and demeanor tied to sports because Steve already opened up the Pandora's box that you and he play golf together. I've heard some stories about uh, maybe some clubs getting thrown into the woods and broken clubs. 
Talk about the connection. Is there a problem with the transmission right now? Is Did Zoom just go out and we can no longer have this conversation? Alvin Badger, our director? Or are we still on the air? All right, go ahead, Mary, keep it up. <laughs> that was all part of his master uh, trickery there, Elvin. So yeah, so Nick, I would love to get your opinion on that. How important is it for a leader to keep their cool both on and off the golf course and in the office? Um, it is, <laughs> it's okay. This is a safe awesome, space. <laughs> that is an awesome question. And if, if I act inappropriately in my organization, I have opened the door for the people around me to act the same. If I'm overly emotional, if I am, um, if I complain, I am opening the door for the people around me to complain. So one of the one of the I think one of the key principles of a leader is sort of to manage anxiety of your team, especially in this environment that we're in now with hybrid and people aren't together all the time, collaborating, we're on Zoom calls. Um, it makes everything a little bit more difficult and challenging, but it also, we can make it fun too. You have to get creative um, Our, on how to manage these teams now because everyone is not in face-to-face. Yeah. Uh, -face hey, Nick, problems. I'm gonna push, I'm gonna push back a little bit. Go ahead. So, and when I talk about Nikki and I playing golf together, it's more than golf. We, we spend a lot of time together and, he is a, uh, as, in spite of everything you just said, Mary, Nick Matarazzo has a fiery personality. He's incredibly passionate. Now, Nick, mm. where's the, no, you are, Nick. Yes, However, I agree. However, let me, let me finish this. Where's the line in your mind between very, very passionate, which you are, you express yourself. Um, we, when we put it this way, our excuse for losing control is that we're Italian and somehow it's in the blood. That's an excuse. But I've also seen Nicky Matz be like this, like ice. Nick, you've been like ice and calm when I haven't had the right demeanor. Where the heck is the line between passion and intensity, which you have, but being calm when things aren't going well because you've got both? Well, I mean, but that's, you just made the definition of leadership. You, if... You're, I'm fiery on the course. I also know that if I lose my cool, then I'm not going to be as focused. I'm not going to be able to hit that next shot. I'm not going to be able to sink that putt. And then you're going to take money from me, which will not happen. Well, what's that have to do with leadership? Well, you, if, if everyone's fiery and everyone loses control, what type of an organization do you actually have? I'm assuming in your organization, you're not walking around throwing things in the office and that when, when something doesn't go the way you want it to go, that cooler heads must prevail to solve the problem and collaborate with, <laughs> collaborate yeah. with your yeah. team. Well, no, yeah, no, there, there's moments, there's nobody, moments. Listen, we're, we're on Zoom, so no one's throwing anything. But I don't want to obsess about this, but I literally, uh, Scarlett, can you get a shot of this? Can you see what this is? I've had this around lately. Can you see what it says? 
It says breathe. Now, Mary, we've talked about this before. Yeah. If I, I often say this, Nick, if I don't get myself in the right frame of mind, yeah. this isn't just about me. And it's, it's in this new book, too, uh, too. We talk about putting yourself in the right frame of mind to lead yourself and others. If I'm yeah. not there and I'm not breathing and I'm not saying don't be a jerk today, no matter what happens, I forget that. And it's not about yeah. throwing things. It's about having a crappy attitude. Mary, it is. Mess. No, definitely. I mean, literally first thing this morning, I texted Steve. I said, we are going to make it an amazing day. Why? We determine how our day is going to go. You can get things thrown at you. You can have bad things happen. The power can go out. The internet's going to go out. There's going to be problems. You can't control that. But what you can control is your attitude. And I know it sounds so simple, but that's what I constantly try to remind Steve. And I also believe, and I know Nick, obviously talking about sports right now in the 24-hour rule. Of course, Steve and I talk about the importance of giving feedback in the moment, but sometimes you do need to take a breath. And even if it's a 24 second rule, don't be reactive. What are your thoughts on that, Nick, as far as getting yourself into the right headspace, regardless of the situation? I have a, I have a rule um, with my team when I ask a question and there are no layup questions that I ask. So I ask everybody to count to five before they answer me. So be thoughtful. Uh, Think about what I'm asking. Don't take it personally. And um, it it works better because I've been in enough meetings where you're asking a question and people are answering before I finish the sentence and people are starting to talk over one another. We all do it. I still do it, but I catch myself and I could tell you when the leadership uh, at Hearst, when they ask me a question, I take a breath and Steve knows that I'm rather quick when somebody asks me something. So you really should count to 10. I count to five. I won't last the 10 seconds. <laughs> I know the answer. So Nick, it's so interesting. Um, and I will say in all seriousness, having passion, but being on playing under control, leading under control, they are not mutually exclusive. And I want to make that clear. But the other day, Nick, I'm going to share this with you. You and I've had this discussion. Like, I got a lot of props here. Every day I'm hustling. Now, the reason I have that around is because um, Nikki and I are the same age. We grew up together, graduated together in college, been together forever. But he's still hustling. I'm still hustling. You and I've had this conversation, Nick, about younger people that we coach and mentor we try to at least yep. to what degree do you believe and there's been a lot of articles that younger people don't have the live in the hustle culture that some of us grew up in hustle culture and younger people go nick um i don't i just think the younger people approach things differently different mindset we treated them differently as parents um the sports um, institutions, little league, soccer, football, everyone gets the trophy. That's really not life. There needs to be success and failure for someone to, I think, progress. Um, I, personally, I think the strongest leaders, and again, not the person at the top of the organization, but the strongest leaders ask for help. They tell people what their weakness is. They surround themselves with people who fill in gaps when they look in the mirror. I can't, I know what I can do and I know what I can do well, but I also know what I can't. So 
I do my best to hire the smartest people that do what I don't do so that we have a solid team and we cover all our bases at all time. That's Nikki Matz, Nikki Matarazzo, the president of Hearst Autos, um, partner, friend, and um, golf competitor. I will take money from him this season, even if I have to just steal it from him, because beating him is a lot harder. Nikki Matz, thank you, my friend. Thanks so much for having me. Good to see you both. Mary, go ahead. Say goodbye, Mary. I was going to say goodbye. I thought you were still talking. Nick, goodbye. It was great seeing you. Stay right there. I guess we're done. See everybody next time. <laughs> How smooth was that? <laughs> this edition of Lessons in Leadership is made possible by the Bucino Leadership Institute at Seton Hall University, Prager Metis, Valley Bank, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, the North Ward Center, the New Jersey Sharing Network, Delta Dental of New Jersey, Fedway Associates, Inc., Veolia, resourcing the world, and Seton Hall University, showing the world what great minds can do since 1856. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com. Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been provided by NJ.com, NJBIA, and New Jersey Business Magazine, CIANJ, and Commerce Magazine, and Meadowlands Media, a print and digital business news network.